Hello and welcome back to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. My name is Mason. Today we're joined by Nick and a very special guest is Reese Carter from Sports Design Australia. G'day Reese, how are you going? Hello team, very well. How are you guys? I'm good. Very good. Thank you for yeah, coming excited. on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Uh, mate, before we jump into uh, all of the specifics around what you do and, and where you got to, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Who, who are you outside of Sports Creative? Who am I? Great question. Uh, I've grown up and, and lived in the Shire, Sutherland Shire my whole life um, in Sydney. Yeah, sports always been a, a massive part of my life. Sort of grew up playing, you know, from soccer, basketball, baseball, Oztag, touch, um, you know, nippers, all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, since, you know, at the age of four or five, sports always been um, on the radar and something I've, I've done every every week and weekend. And mum and dad drove me around everywhere and training. And, yeah, it's just been a massive part of my life. You know, away from you know the sporting side of things, I was DJ for for ten years, um, sort of yeah, in the right. area, and also in Kingsborough, <laughs> which was a good time. And um, yeah, music sort of you know, a bit of another passion, um, passion of mine. So um, gave that up a few, or oh, probably you know five six years ago now. Um, just got too much with work and sort of just got a little bit older and stopped going out as much. So that's why yeah. that stopped. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, have a, a fiance, been together for four years and we're about five weeks away um, from having our first child. So super pumped uh, for, for that journey to begin. Yeah. And, and congratulations, mate. Like We did speak off air about that. And I suppose publicly, we would just like to say congratulations to you too from that very exciting time. So D- DJing, that yeah. didn't that didn't sneak it onto the uh, the LinkedIn <laughs> profile when we were scoping around. So uh, no, what, I, uh, I'll keep that one off. Yeah. <laughs> what type of DJing is it? Like clubs or uh, weddings um, or no clubs? Ma- mainly yeah. clubs and bars. So um, I mean, to be honest, I did weddings and you know birthdays and engagement parties as well. Uh, more so for for friends um, or, or family. So. But the, the main part was, you know, nightclubs. So, you know, a few nightclubs in my area and then, you know, a few in the cross like Candies and Havana and, and Soho and, and those types of ones that are, are now deceased, um, like pretty much the whole of the King's Cross. Not <laughs> yeah. Like. Um, yeah. Yeah, more house music and, and electro really um, sort of went between those throughout the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. So music itself... Um played a bit of a defining role in you early on in your life do you still kind of gravitate towards it do you play play an instrument or anything like that no I don't play an instrument I mean I I did guitar for a couple of years whilst I was in early high school but um no mate just bought decks and I think we're in year 11 or 12 um and he just you know I went around and and played them and and really liked and I've always liked music you know I don't really have a, a set genre that I've you know pretty much like all music from you know, dance to R and B to pop to you know, scream or screamer or heavy rock type stuff. Yep. So, um, yeah, it sort of just came about that way, and, and and got into it and loved it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that's great. Uh. Yeah. I I like to listen to music with the headphones on. You know, in my own kind of space. I'm not one to to go out into cr- crowds or cl- clubbing or you know concerts or anything like that. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. But... Yeah. I, I haven't been. As I said, I haven't done it in clubs or anything like that. I mean, I, I still like to make the odd mixtape here or there, more sort of just house or, or dance type music. So. Yeah. Get that going. You know, over the last five or six years, I try and get one or two out. You know, each year for you know about ninety minutes or so. Um, mm-hmm. All my favourite tracks from that season or, or that year that's just gone by. So um, yeah, I keep that component and sort of just listen to the music when I'm in the gym as well. Yeah, of everything. So Very good. Yeah. Okay. So outside of music, um, you're in the sports creative industry now. You you played a lot of sport in the yep. youth. Oztag, whatever else. Um, were there any kind of signs early on that this would be where you ended up, you know, in that sports and design space? Was it actively pursued or did it 
kind of just evolve naturally? Oh, probably evolved fairly naturally. I mean, I had no real idea of what I wanted to do when I finished school. I just knew I wanted to get involved in sport. Um, so I ended up basically choosing between, you know, sports journalism or, or becoming a PE teacher. I went down the journalism route. Um, uh, I, I liked writing at the time. Um, so I went with that. So did a Bachelor of Journalism at, at Wollongong University. Um, and then from there, you know, I did, you know, a couple of um, an internship or some work experience at Fox Sports, um, you know, as more of a reporter, um, newsy type style. And then on the, the other side of things, I also did some work with the Cronulla Sharks, um, just some work experience for them. I was coaching a baseball team at the time during uni and, and one of the dads, Rob Willis, who was the media manager there, um, just noticed my writing skills from doing match reports. Uh, so he asked if I was interested in doing some bits and pieces for, for him or, or the club. So I jumped at the opportunity. It was, you know, all unpaid, just did things like match reports, newspaper clippings, feature pieces for their magazine, you know, went to game days, all that sort of stuff. It was all unpaid, um, did it for about 18 months. Um, and then from there, I ended up landing the media manager role there, Rob left, and I basically just, um, you know, I still had to apply and, and go through the, the hiring process, but yeah, landed the media and comms manager role, essentially as I finished uni, which was, you know, luckily, you know, time and, and luck, I guess, worked mm. out well, but, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't put my hand up for, you know, work experience. Um, so that's sort of how my journey began into the, the sports world. And then whilst I was at the Cronulla Sharks, I think, yeah, that was 2009, 2010 and 11, I was there and social media, I guess was, you know, Facebook was a thing. Twitter was kind of a thing and Instagram hadn't taken off or hadn't been yep. launched when I was there. So yeah, I guess naturally as it is in club land, you, you wear quite a few hats and I sort of took over a lot of the website writing, filming of, you know, features like the interviews, um, mm -hmm. you know, looking after the social channel. So sort of, you know, on top of the, the PR and, and media side of things, I ended up doing a lot of the, the digital side of things as well. So yeah. that's how I guess that, that journey began into the, the sports and, and content and, and creative world, really. So you, you talk about, um when you were coaching at the baseball and uh what was it rob was that rob? yeah rob willis and he rob funnily willis. Enough, he's now back at the sharks as media manager when i left oh, and oh there you go he returned yeah the, <laughs> shane flanagan who was the coach at the time gave him a call and asked him to come back because he was a, a gun golfer he was meant to go on the senior pga tour but i think he got his ages wrong or something and didn't eventuate yeah, so he yeah. ended up at yeah. the club so was he um you did sorry I, I may have missed it did did you mention that his um child was playing baseball at the time or did he yeah sorry yep, yeah 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 so his son uh ryan was um yeah i coached him he was in the team so yeah i yep. just wrote reports each week and he picked them up guys and yeah so it always it always amazes me that these opportunities come from unexpected locations right like i'm a firm believer and you've got to you've got to work hard to get to the door um but the door won't you know open for you there's a little bit of luck involved there's a little bit of hard work and there's a little bit of talent you know that's that's the way that i perceive the world anyway sure. and i always find it fascinating when um there's just this key person that's there at the right time to kind of guide you or mentor you or even just notice you and and take you on the next step or the path that you're going to follow. Um, so I, th I think it's incredible that, you know, you're, you're just doing like, did you even need to write the match reports in the first place? Or was that just something you were doing because you yeah, loved to mean, do well, it? I probably could have got yeah. one of the other parents to do it or the other How coach. old were the kids? Uh, well, started with them from, you know, the under 12s and yeah. coached for about four or five years. So he went to the, you know, 16s and 17s. So I sort of had the same group for four or five years. Yeah. yeah. So match report for like eight-year-olds, a bit different to 17-year-olds, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it phased out after, yeah, a little while, but um, yeah, it was something <laughs> that they loved publishing each week on, on their website or the email that they sent out. can't remember yeah. what it was. So going That's, that extra um, mile, even, you know, just something like that, you know, it's fun to do. You get to do it, but at the same time, you're kind of spreading your... um 
um, your exposure levels to who knows what. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, the guys loved it, you know, when they were highlighted for you know, a good catch or a good game or <laughs> you know, throw out their stats for the game. So, um, yeah. yeah, it was just something that I guess came with a job. And that's a um, question we get all the time, eh, Mason, is, you know, the three of us, how, how do you get into the industry for someone looking in? And it, it really is just like, get your own stuff out there, whether it's unpaid or whatever, like keep bashing at the door and, and someone's going to give you an opportunity at some point if you've got yeah, 100%. The, the talent and the drive. Yeah, I think these days there's so many young kids just expect to land their dream job straight out of school and yeah. Doesn't not really have to work for it and they don't want to you know and i don't really like the whole unpaid work experience internships i think we're sort of you know even though i did it and a lot of other people did it i think we should be at a stage where people do get paid or rewarded for their time and i guess you know in my instance i was i did end up being rewarded with a with a job and it all paid off in the end which which was nice so mm. now it was a, a day or two i just you know fit a day or two into my week whilst I was at uni just to, you know, go down to the club and spend six or eight hours there for the day doing whatever was asked of me, really, whatever I could help. It was, you know, a bit of shit kicking and, but, you know. But it, but there was some intent behind it and it wasn't a, you know, it was an intelligent move by you too at the same time, right? Like I'm sure at the time you'd have been thinking, how great's this? I'm, I'm in with the Cronulla Sharks. I'm, you know, you said you grew up in the Shire. I imagine you follow the Sharks or you followed the Sharks. I'm hoping. Yeah, I did. I do. Yeah. I do. yeah. So, um, you know, for you, it was an intelligent decision to make in the first instance. And at the same time, you know, the benefits that you're getting out of it, it's not being taken for granted. You know, you're not being used to for, for a three-week job or something like that for exposure and then you're leaving, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, and Rob was, you know, big on that. He sort of said that, you know, it's not just, you know, a week or two. Like it's something that, you know, if you want to, you can you keep coming in and you come to every game day and, you know, do the match reports. And, yeah, I loved it. You know, I, I don't – I'm not a big rider anymore. I sort of – not a fan. And I guess that's why I didn't go down the actual journalism um, path. But – yeah, it was, you know, it gave me a, gave me a start into the industry and something I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for. Yeah. So were there any other significant people in your uh, early life of your career that kind of steered you or led you in down a path to where you are now, positive? Oh, that's a good question. Um, when I first started at the Sharks, uh, Richard Fisk, he was a, you know, a sports administrator who'd been in the NRL scene for quite a while, was at the Roosters and... He was only at the Sharks for about a year, um, but he was, fuck, his experience was, um, and knowledge was really invaluable for me. It's, he, um, you know, he'd been around the traps. He was, he was, you know, quite old. I think he was sort of in his late sixties. Um, so he had relationships with a lot of journalists and I guess he saw, you know, a, a lot of potential in me. And I guess he was the one at the end of the day that, that gave me the role. Um, and I guess, you know, being younger than, Rob or anyone at that sort of age, I sort of understood more of, I guess, the social space and how that worked. And, um, he was a, a big influence. And then, um, Pete Cassidy and Damien Marnie, who were, um, they had their own agency at the times. So they worked, did a lot of work with the NRL, um, via Telstra sort mm -hmm. of worked with them, um, whilst I was at the Sharks and, when I did leave the Sharks, I went traveling around Europe for four months, had no idea what I was going to do when I got back. But, you know, Pete reached out to me when I was over there and just, he said, give me a shout when you're back or, um, you know, I might have a role for you. I'd, I'd love to get you involved in some capacity. So, yep. So I gave him a, a call or hopped on a Skype call um, with about a month to go on the trip. And he sort of offered me a role, you know, an executive producer role at the agency across, you know, multiple sports and, you know, politics and it wasn't just sports. So, um, did a lot of account management and project management there for them. Mm -hmm. uh, they were massive um, in terms of, you know, teaching me building it, like how to build an agency from from scratch. It was sort of in in, in its infancy there, and managing managing time and and working with a whole range of clients, um, which I guess is a, a big part of my, my role now. Managing a lot of clients on you know with different deadlines, etc. Yeah. So before we get into Sports Design Australia, um, just going back on, um, so we've mentioned Cronulla there. 
what uh, you you mentioned you were wearing a lot of hats. What was some of the stuff that you were kind of significantly doing or, you know, made an impact of your time at Cronulla? Oh God, it feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, <laughs> How old were you when you, when you started there in your full-time role? 21. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. Surely yeah. you got to like put the cones out and stuff as well occasionally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly did every, a bit of everything. You know, I, I'd set up for press conferences. I'd, I'd take phone calls at 5am from radio stations if a player had been out on the piss. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was writing articles for the, for the website, putting together, you know, feature interviews, behind the scenes type stuff. And I was doing tweets and, and Facebook posts for full time. It was just a whole range of things, you know. I was essentially the club spoke club spokesperson. Um, at twenty one, is it? Yeah, twenty one, and I guess having Richard Fist there, you know, helped that as well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, looking back, oh, I don't know how I, I did it at, at twenty one. To be honest, I was, you know, it, it was a seven day week job, easily twenty four seven. It was just no stopping, you know. Even you know, the club newsletter that would go out every week. You know, writing the content for that, you know, working with the marketing and membership merchandise teams on club initiatives and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it was a it was a, a big beast. And I guess that's probably why I ended up leaving after, you know, two years. Um, I was just burned out and we had no CEO at the time and there's no real direction, I guess, for me in terms of personal growth and, um, you know, stepping up in into new roles. So... Yeah, pulled the pin, had enough, and and just went overseas with a few of my best mates for four months, which was the best decision I've I made, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that you must have had your head screwed on um, for a twenty-one year old to be <laughs> to be operating yeah. that role, and yeah, and you what you probably around the same age as as some of those players out there too. Yeah, um, sure. Actually, I mean, just the other day, I said to my partner Elise, like, I'm pretty much older than every nrl player now i just it feels weird Whereas, yeah you know, when i first came into it you know i was younger than a majority of the the, the players um yeah the 20s was around then so i actually formed a, a decent relationship with quite a few of the 20s uh, who ended up in playing in the nrl you know chad townsend and tyson frizzell and, and those sorts of guys um mm -hmm. you, know, you know paul gallon and, and wade graham and trent barrett and, and those guys were at the club at, you know at the time as well so um, yeah, you know, I, I keep in touch with it with a few of them. I'm, I'm still pretty close with Gal uh, and Wade. They're sort of the, the main two I, I keep in touch with from, from the Sharks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. Um, and then so after Cronulla, your um, your other roles there. So at Fox um, and Pillar and NRL, was there any kind of experiences there that are worth you know breaking down? Um, oh, I mean. It, Pillar, I was there for, you know, two or three years, worked across, you know, a number of clients, clients from, you know, Tab Corp to McDonald's, Kathmandu, um, Telstra, a couple of AFL teams, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I really enjoyed that. It was, it was a good mix. No, it wasn't just, you know, one sport. It was a whole a range. diverse. Of, yeah, quite diverse. And the projects were all diverse, you know, sort of, you know, one day I'd be you know, ma managing a team and looking after a lot of the content that the NRL clubs use for their own websites. So their match reports and injury reports and all that sort of stuff. And then the next day I'd be running ad campaigns for politicians. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a beast. And again, I, I learned a lot about paid social whilst I was at um, Pillar and then, yeah, moved on to the NRL. Um, to my first role there was social media and community manager. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, you know, a big part of that was still, you know, producing content. Community what manager. Year? What year was that? Sorry. Uh, that would have been 2000 and start of 2015. I started yeah, there. Okay. So, um, so social was full in swing by then. You, yeah. Instagram yeah. was off. Uh, Twitter was off. Facebook was off. Yeah. And Matt Henry, who was sort of the, the head of social and digital at the time, who's had a, a massive influence on my career as well. It was really only him and a, another guy, Warwick, um, who ran all the social. So Matt was really looking to build up, um, you know, the, the resource side of things. And he had, you know, a decent budget to work with agencies. And he, um, yeah, I sort of met him when I was at Pillar and built a bit of a good relationship. And he, he obviously liked what I did. And we had a chat about coming over to the NRL and it 
yeah, an eventuator. I sort of had enough of you know, the agency and, you know, working for the NRL at the time was you know, a massive opportunity for myself and something that a lot of people, you know, dream about. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it a bit of a pinch yourself moment, do you think? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd be lying if I said no, you know, absolutely loved working there. We had a... A good seven years of the first five years, especially were, were really good. We got to a, a really good place. And I guess I grew, you know, into you know, my, my last role there for the last three years was, you know, social content manager, social media and content manager. Um, yeah. So a lot of looked after a lot of the, the strategy and content, creative ideation and engagement and, you know, state of origins and kangaroo tours and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, it was, again, it was full on. You don't really have an off button when you work in social media and all your work's public facing. So mm. yeah, I take a lot of pride in my work, everything that I put out. You sort of think, oh, if someone sees it, then you're going to do it. Or you know, even if it's someone else, I've, I've just always been mindful and had that mindset that anything I put out, I, I really want to make sure that it's good and I just don't put it out for the sake of it. Yep. Has mm. there has there been some things that... um you know, you've gotten to the 11th hour and you're not happy with it and it, it just hasn't gone or have you, you know, delayed things? Um, uh, most of the time, yeah, nothing stands out as such. I mean, the, there were quite a few times where you'd be working late hours or up quite early to try and finish something. And, um, you know, a big part of my role was working with other creatives or our creative in-house creative team, um, mm -hmm. but which to be honest, wasn't huge. You know, we had one designer um, and a couple of video editors, which were, I guess, spread across the whole digital team from, you know, NRL.com to social to to marketing. So, yeah, I worked, ended up, you know, scouring the internet and, and finding a lot of independent freelance content creators across, you know, graphic design and videography and, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, we worked with agencies as well. And I guess I just built my network up from there and, and found really good talent, um, you know, not only just in Australia, but, but overseas who I formed good relationships and with, and ended up working with for quite a few years whilst I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I suppose is a great segue really into where you're at now. So sports design Australia. Yeah. Uh, what is it exactly? What is the company? It's it's essentially a creative agency. Um, you know, we help elevate the the creative output and, and social strategies for sporting organisations, teams, and brands. So, you know, we have a I've got a business partner, um, Cass Wilkins, who was the head of social at the NRL, and she was also there for for seven seasons. So we we formed a you know a really good working relationship and have a a great bond. And I guess her her strengths are my weaknesses and my strengths are probably with her weaknesses. So we sort of just, you know, worked really well. So SDA, um, you know, is a, a network of independent content creators across multiple disciplines, um, design, illustration, you know, motion and animation, uh, manipulation, videography, photography, all those sort of things. So, you know, a lot of our main clients are some NRL teams, some AFL teams, you know, we work with TLA and, the, the big bash you know we've created graphics for liverpool fc for their social channels um you know worked on a big project for the rugby league players association um you know blue bet matildas and socceroos so um yeah we we're, we've got a really good team and we're looking to continue to to scale up this year um you know a big part of why i started sport design australia um in the first place well I guess I started an Instagram account for it, which is more to you know, shed light and shed light on uh, young creatives in Australia and try and get them a bit more exposure to hopefully land jobs um, within sporting organisations. And yeah, I know it's quite hard to just get your foot in the door, but once you sort of do have your foot in the door, you tend to stay in sport and, and work your way around clubs or teams and brands and, and all that sort of thing. So I just wanted to provide a, a platform to, you know, help the younger guys get a little bit more exposure. So I ran that, started that during the first wave of COVID and just sort of kept it ticking along. And then when I left the NRL, decided to, I guess, turn it into a, you know, a full-time business really from a, a side hustle that, you know, wasn't 
I didn't want, hadn't monetized at that stage. So mm-hmm. thought there was something in there. And I guess having worked at the NRL and been in that position of, you know, wanting outside creatives and not necessarily knowing where to look straight away and having to spend hours and hours trying to find different styles and concepts and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I thought there was a bit of a, a gap in the market there and uh, it sort of went from there. I mean, the initial idea for Cass and I was to build a more of a, a full, you know, full scale type creative agency. Um, but we sort of, you know, sport design was there and we decided just to get stuck into that first and see how that went. Mm, it is a bit of a niche market, isn't it? But I suppose with those niche markets, if you get a decent enough following and a decent enough interest from your customers and clients, I imagine, then, um, you know, it is, it would be relatively sustainable, if not more, right? Yeah. I mean, we're always learning and, and growing every day and like the, the first six to 12 months hasn't been easy. Um, but we've, we've worked with some, you know, some of Australia's biggest sporting teams and, and brands and, um, you know, got to sort of look back and, and reflect on the success that we have had and not be too hard on ourselves, you know, not too many business businesses can say they've worked with some of the, the, the clients that we have in their mm. first six months or so. So, um, yeah. So what a, are, sorry. So what are some of the projects that you have worked on? What's, what's a big one that we may have seen or known or one that you're really, um, stoked about? Yeah. The big bash ones, one that stood out for me, uh, we worked with them, um, on their rollout for the international draft that they had. Um, so they needed some illustrate a whole lot of illustrations for phase one where they actually announced, you know, what players would be coming from overseas to play in the tournament. Um, and then we taught sort of added some animation to those. And then the second phase of that was the draft itself. So, you know, creating graphics for, you know, Rashid Khan, um, for basically we had to create versions for every team because he could have landed anywhere. <laughs> uh, and at, at the end, I think there was about 96 um, graphics in total that we worked on. Wow. Um, and yeah, most of those don't see the, the light of day because, you know, they can only play for one team and get selected in one team. But the, the way it all came together, we worked with, you know, an illustrator, in Damien Quinn and um, Harry Hesselden, who was a who's one of our motion graphic designers, um, and then yeah, myself, and it sort of all just came together really, really nicely. And yeah, they had some some good results from it, and um, that's one that probably stands out. And the rugby league, the RLPA's end of season awards, we basically um, looked after the whole creative development um, and, and visual identity for the rollout of their end of season players champion awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which was really cool again there was quite you know a, a solid project and um we're lucky enough to work with a, a couple of our our designers on that um one who's quite experienced in in lee olsen shift refresh mm-hmm. who was my first uh external designer that i worked with at the nrl in in 2015 and it's awesome to see where he is now he's working with clients like the nba and, and 2k and you know, creating in-game graphics for their um playstation xbox games etc and he's you know i still work with him so which is cool and then one of our younger guys Jaden, also helped that project um you know there's the nrl and nrlw so sort of split it um into those two two blocks they're they're probably my two favorite uh that we've worked on and i mean another highlight would obviously be creating some some of the game day graphics for for liverpool fc you know there's not too many bigger global brands than, than those guys. So was fortunate enough, um, to have done three graphics so far for them and, um, another one to come very soon, actually. Oh, there you go. Um, so you mentioned a few different creatives there. They're all working on the same projects, right? So you, you kind of linking yourself with, um, you know, with the illustrator, with the motion graphic artist and, and kind of, you know, bridging it all as a project manager in a way. Essentially, yes, yep. correct. Um, yeah, I guess I'm the middleman, and yeah, depending on what the brief is and and the style and and the budget, I'll, I'll basically handpick who are who we want to work with, um, dependent purely on on those sorts of sorts of things. So, yeah, we don't have internal 
designers yet. Um, hopefully we'll hire a, a full-time graphic designer internally, but I guess the, the benefit of our current model and, you know, keep obviously keep that model is, you know, we have access to so many different types of designers. So any of our clients can basically ask for anything and, and we can deliver on it. Whereas, you know, internally for them, they're sort of stuck with, you know, one or two designers that, you know, might not be skilled in illustration or motion graphics, for example. So yeah, the budget or, um, you know, to hire full-time staff in that department. So yeah, we, we sort of find work for, um, the freelancers, which, which they love. And, and we, on the flip side, we help clubs find freelancers to help with the work. So yeah. 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 So you would be going to the illustrate the illustrator and saying, Hey, we want to, we want this set piece or whatever, but keep in mind, we want to be able to animate some of this or use motion graphics on some of this. So would they, would you be actually bridging them with the motion graphic artist as well to say, you know, you guys work together or are you kind of getting the specs and going, okay, but we want this arm to move. So this needs to be on a separate layer or whatever, and then provide the files over, or is it really more like a group scenario? You're in a, in a WeChat or something like that, working yeah. together. Yeah, uh, it probably depends on the brief, but mainly working on it individually at the moment. Um, yep. They will get all you know the design element done, um, or the illustration done, and then we'll hand it off to the motion designer. Um, I guess you know they're all sort of know each other now from you know, working on on similar projects and being part of our community. Um, so they've all got relationships now as well which is cool and they they love building each other up and and commenting and engaging on each other's work so that that's really cool to see yeah it's a small circle big circle but small circle <laughs> sounds like a great model though um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how sustainable it is long term um we're sort of working on a few other bits and pieces in the background as well um but i guess you know like any any startup you know, you're not going to be making millions in, in your first few years, yeah. mm -hmm. if at all. So, um, yeah, as I said before, we're very happy with where we're at after, you know, launching the business. So what does your day-to-day -day look like or maybe day-to-day -day and week-to-week? Because sometimes it can be hard to to pinpoint it to a day. But, you know, your general workload now, you're you're not... You're not working at the NRL doing the the content writing. You're running a business too. So the difficulties and the split of that, what does that kind of look like? Can you paint a picture for us? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, it's a little bit all over the shop at the moment. Um, you know, naturally as a, you know, starting up a business, you again wear many hats. So, you know, a lot of project management, working with clients on on briefs and, and you know, briefing those into our designers, um, you know, designing mock-ups myself in Photoshop or drawing them on paper to provide ideas and inspiration for the designer. Um, you know, I tend to be quite hands-on with that. I just, you know, like to give my opinion as well on, on what I like and how I see it all coming together. Um, you know, creating content for our own channels, whether it's, you know, the SDA LinkedIn or our own personal LinkedIn channels. Um, and obviously Instagram's a, a big one. And I guess keeping, uh, keeping my eye on, what's happening in the sporting world, both here in Australia, uh, and globally, um, you know, there's, uh, an event every week or a big game or a big milestone. So just making sure I, I try and stay across as many as possible. And, um, I don't mean just, you know, the day before, like I, I've got a bit of a calendar that I fleshed out at the start of the year with all the, the key events and, you know, from F1 returning to NRL and AFL, you know, to LeBron potentially breaking the record, which he obviously recently did, um, sort of had all those earmarks. So just keeping an eye on that and, and briefing in what I need to for our own channels. Um, mm -hmm. And then what else? You know, I guess the other big part is working with our, you know, we've got four or five designers that are, we, we represent, um, mm -hmm. who are represented by us. So we've got... And they're probably more of the younger crew. So some are in their last year of school, some have just left, some are in their first year um, working with, you know, AFL or NRL clubs. Um, so just keeping that relationship and, and that communication uh, open to, for them to ask questions, throw ideas off uh, and vice versa, vice versa really. Yep. 
So um, you're mentoring them? Yeah, to, to an extent. Um, yep. There's definitely a few that we're, we're looking more and more into a bit more of a, a mentoring type program mm-hmm. um, for these guys because there's just so many of them and they just, you know, we are constantly getting asked, you know, what do I need to do or what can I do to land a job here or there? And so I think there's something in that in whether that's a, you know, a course or, you know, an ebook or, or something um, that that's sort of on our radar for, for this year as well. And I guess another side of things is recruitment. Um, again, we get asked if we know designers or videographers or illustrators that can join their business. Um, so recruitment, I don't want to become a, a recruiter as such, but it, it's definitely <laughs> something that, uh, you know, in terms of passive income, I wouldn't say it's passive income, but another revenue stream or income stream, mm-hmm. that's there as well. We're sort of working, I won't say who the client is at the moment, but we're, we're working quite close with, a, you know, nailing a, a designer, a role with a client, um, which, yeah. would be, which would be really cool. Um, so, yeah, and then that's sort of, I guess the, the crux of it, just a lot of project management and account management and, and working with clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I'm sort of, you know, even at nighttime I'll be on WhatsApp with, you know, a, a social media manager from a client and just going back and forth and ideas and concepts and drafts and, and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. that's not a real off button um, at the moment, you know, I try and, and that's all right. I, I love it. I, I, I do enjoy it, but I, I'll get to a stage where I do need to step away and switch off with a, a baby coming along. Or, um, yeah. Yeah, switch off, so. the old get an idea at 10 PM and quickly jump on your computer has happened a lot before. Yeah. yeah. And, and just on that, I mean, I, I spend a lot of time just trawling, going through Twitter feeds and Instagram feeds yeah. and, and finding different ideas and styles and new designers that I could potentially work with. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly I find myself doing a lot, you know, not necessarily posting or interacting, but just more sourcing great talent because, you know, as, you know, Sport Design Australia is obviously, you know, Australian-based agency, but I, I want to become an agency that, you know, provides the best in creative for any sports um, team or brand across the globe. And that'll also mean that, you know, we might be working with creatives from across the globe. You know, there might be a, a designer in the US or the UK that, is an absolute gun and you know if we're going to provide best in class content I, I want to be working with the best creatives yeah so in your perspective um how does that look so designs in australia compared to around the world obviously the us and europe you know they've both got their sports that are massive um and you know designs particularly we had the the um the super bowl in the last week or fortnight and um you know i've even seen a transition from that that real kind of stadia clunky shining lights kind of look to that more illustrated look for on-screen graphics coming through Mm. um where's your perspective on design in australia and and design around the world from a um a quality point of view or from a diversity point of view yeah, I mean the the, be, the the best thing about you know the say let's go with the American sports for example, you know their social and content and creative teams are massive. So you know they've got three, four, five designers. You know they got illustrate internal illustrators. They got you know three, four videographers, etc. So they have a lot more opportunity for you know college students and university students coming through where they can start you know working at a club at a very young age when they've graduated. And, and they're learning from three or four other creatives who have been around for five, 10, 15 plus years. Whereas here in Australia, you know, for the best part of the last five years, there's been one designer at a club, you know, mm-hmm. and who do they turn to um, for advice or mentor, you know, mentoring and, and that sort of thing. So I think there's plenty of talent here in Australia. I just don't think there's enough opportunities yet within sporting teams and brands. Um, you know, definitely there's some clubs that have got, you know, teams of two or three designers and, you know, good teams of videographers, but I'd say on a majority, it's, it's, it's definitely nowhere near where America or the international market is um, for creative. And I think, 
you know, a lot of the the decision makers and executives probably don't understand the value of content and, and good creative. Um, there's a lot of designers that will come straight out of school or, or uni and basically be running the show mm-hmm. uh, and have no runs behind them. And it's probably something that will, will change with, with time. Um, but yeah, for, from that, from your question, like to your question, there's definitely talent here in Australia. Australia, just it's obviously not, you know, there's not as many um, and there's yeah. not as many opportunities. I suppose you could compare it to say like the NRLW as an example. There's only a limited amount of teams that are playing um, in a newly formed competition at a pro level. And so you really need to set the foundations first and, and build that a little bit more and educate whether that be a community or educate the company that you work for, the sports team, that this is an important factor to, um, to be considering for your brand or your team um yeah and yeah a a lot of the designers in working for professional teams are run off their feet you know they're they're creating content for every uh, department in the business from marketing to events from digital to football commercial like they're just they barely have time to actually sit down think creatively ideate they're basically just churning out graphics Mm. you know quick as they can so a lot of the work that's put out as well probably isn't as higher quality because they don't have the time to no exploration no yeah, you know, nothing new it's just i got my canva templates so i'm running with them and off i go exactly they've got five six graphics that need to be pumped down in one day for multiple departments whereas you know if you're going to work on a, a really good graphic um or, or project you know it can take you know a day or a couple of days to get something perfect so they, they've really got to learn to work fast and be happy with not that maybe being you know perfect or, or where they need it to be but you know good enough quality to, to put it out into the real world mm. do you think that there is a shift in the market or the industry i mean you look at what's happened with um rexham fc over in in uh, football over in Europe and that that real shift to realising the potential of brand and, and social and presence that perhaps some of the NRL teams or AFL teams or whoever are putting more value in those spaces? Oh, I, I definitely see it happening and it's, you know, it won't happen overnight. You know, each year these content teams you know, are usually getting an extra head and, and whether that's a designer or a videographer, you know, what the eels, um, you know, where the eels are now compared to say two, three years ago, you know, they've almost tripled their team for this year. You know, they've got three videographers, a couple of social producers, two designers, um, you know, similar to Collingwood, they've got a monster team down there. And although they sort of look after, you know, netball and as well and AFLW, um, yeah, Richmond too. They've now got three designers, so it's definitely changing. And a lot of the the big clubs um, in those worlds are building and understanding the the importance. And I guess you know naturally you can't just go out and hire three designers and three to you know three videographers straight away. It's going to be tiered and, and come at different stages throughout the next few years. Um, but yeah, hopefully there is a bit more of a shift, and it, it all comes down to who you know is running the business as well and what their background is and if they understand the intricacies of content and, and marketing and whether they're more traditionalists, um, do they have digital backgrounds or all those sorts of things. So, and this, yeah, as I said, there's definitely CEOs and executives out there that understand the importance of it. They're just, you know, slowly making their way to getting to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's something really interesting that's coming into sports. Eh? Like, you see, obviously, Wrexham, you mentioned, that's got that Hollywood angle. But then you see something like the Red Bull group with all their teams, that the teams almost become a content creator themselves. You see, you know, all these Apple shows with a season with the team behind the scenes. You look at Apple looking at buying football clubs, you know, they're using yeah. the football club as the content creator, like mm. the team themselves becoming that marketing agency almost. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, a lot of the social, same with the social teams, they're sort of becoming the, the face on TikTok for their club. 
type thing. It, it's no longer all about the players. You know, fans want to see what's going on behind the scenes and who's behind the camera and, and posting all the, the cool content. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it all comes down to, you know, that question, you know, what is the ROI? You know, what's the return on investment, which, you know, at the end of the day, every executive is going to ask, you know, what am I getting for, for my money? If I'm going to invest in this, what am I going to get from it? And that's, you know, it's, it's a hard question for, to answer for social media managers and, and content creators. Um, I don't think there's a, a straightforward answer. You know, I don't think social media should be viewed as a direct sales platform. I think it's more, you know, a, a tool for brand building, um, generating and, and fostering a community. And of course, fan engagement, um, which I guess down the line then converts, you know, an audience or your online audience or, or social audience into paying customers and you know whether that's tickets merchandise memberships um you know tuning in on tv it's not going to happen at, at the click of a, a button or one post that's purely focused on sales for example so mm, it's an exposure I, thing you, you yeah you know, i think we've had the conversation before it might have been even off air with with the boys around um like the rugby union i think the rugby union signed a contract with uh was it nine but then they've shifted it to their stan sport which um you know we're getting mm. a little bit off topic here but they you know how many subscribers are there to stan sport versus how many people have access to free to wear 9 tv so if you're not getting that exposure then you're not fostering a new generation of followers you know people aren't going to be interested in going to watch the rugby union because they don't see it on tv they don't have a team to follow unless you're already institutionalized in rugby union so i think that in my opinion, that socials are in that same space, right? If you have access to TikTok, you have access to Instagram and you're able to be pumping more content out in those spaces, you're already generating more exposure for your next generation of fans or, you know, your fans to be more passionate because they've got some behind the scenes content or, or certain content that they can resonate with. Yeah, 100%. I mean, brands are responsible for fostering a, you know, a thriving online community. And, you know, I don't think it's enough to your point. I don't think it's enough to have lots of followers anymore um they must also have an engaged community and you know be tuning in to watch or consume content you know every day or every week and yeah would you say it's more valuable to have uh say let's just throw a hypothetical number out there you've got a thousand followers um would it is it more valuable to have a thousand followers or 500 followers that are you know fully passionate about what you do oh i'd take 500 fully passionate, engaged followers every day of the week. Um, yeah. You know, and, and you see that with influencers, you know, you can, you can tell when an influencer's bought followers, you know, they've got hundred K likes on a, a post, but sorry, hundred K followers. And they're only getting 50, 60 likes on a photo, you know, you like just the math doesn't matter. <laughs> How many bots have you employed to come and like your page? <laughs> so, yeah, brands and you know, content creators and influencers as well, they need to focus on, you know, building community with zero expectation of direct sales, you know, mm. offer value, you know, whether that's, you know, triggering, triggering emotion or changing mindsets, educating. Um, yeah, I just think community building's massive. Um, it's a, it's a long-term measure of, I guess, customer loyalty and trust. And, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, which is why you need to invest in, content teams long-term long-term something i've seen um sports teams fall into the trap of recently as well as they almost become the instagram club the 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 amount of tweets and retweets and followers and all this becomes more important than the results on the field yeah yeah for sure focus on that the results first and you'll build those followers organically rather than sort of this social media attention yeah, it's good. That's it's a good point, and we we actually just published a, an article that we wrote on um the Gold Coast Titans content and social lead Gabby Barnes, and you know the Titans have had a, a rough couple of years on the field, but you know she's her and the team there are killing it with their their social media and and content, and especially TikTok. You know they're the second most followed now in in the NRL, and they've got the lowest membership base. I think they're only just behind the Melbourne Storm, who have the the highest membership base. And they've she's really nailed, you know, TikTok. Um, and they're just pumping out some really relatable content that 
you know, not just Titans fans want to consume, but non-rugby league and non-Titans fans consume. You know, you see a lot of comments on some of the content and videos that she's pulled out, and it's like, I've just become a fan of the Titans, and it's, you know, Jeff from the bloody USA watching a video. Yeah. So, um, um, I think the ones that don't focus on trying to sell, sell, sell will always win on social. Yeah. Like, it's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. How does the, uh, this is a bit of a, an offshoot question, but how, how does it go um, with the social platforms and managing their um, algorithms? Like, have you, do you notice that stuff? Are you aware and, and able to adjust things? You know, you're, you're posting on a platform that you don't own. You're relying on, on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or TikTok or whoever to really get that out there or get you new followers. Are you able yeah. to manage that? successfully oh it's it's an evolving beast you know every day there's change or every week there's change and it's hard but you know i guess at my time at the nrl it certainly noticed a change you know facebook was a monster you know we used to reach hundreds of thousands of people with you know one post whereas you know the back end you know the facebook algorithm was shot um you know videos that would normally do you know ten thousand plus likes would be lucky to make a thousand likes and you know, re more recently over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, Instagram reels have really taken over, um, you know, imagery. Um, and now that's, you know, looking to reverse images are sort of coming back in. And some people are noticing a, a decline in views on reels and engagement on reels. And, you know, TikTok's obviously exploded and has a, a ridiculous algorithm that I don't think anyone will ever understand. It's just... <laughs> you don't get a handbook that says algorithm for tiktok 2023 here you go read yeah, it <laughs> you, you don't but, i mean you play into the trends that seem to work and i guess the, the best thing about tiktok is you know you can find a night literally find an idea and essentially recreate it whether it's exactly the same or slightly different um it, it's I, I think it's a real low-hanging fruit for a lot of clubs and they're just too scared or just put in the too hard basket to to jump into and they're, they're really falling falling behind yeah. So what's your favorite medium? What do you like cool. to see your work with? It's yeah. Um, I've definitely found myself a lot more on LinkedIn and Twitter. Yeah. You know, Twitter I've always loved. I just, you know, I consume a lot of information or news, you know, I, I follow a lot of other creatives and, and social media um, experts or, or people that, you know, work at, global teams, et cetera, um, you know, stay up to date there and just stay across a lot of, you know, journalists and, and the sporting landscape and sporting news. Um, that's been a bit of a, a beast for, you know, the last five years for me personally. Um, I don't post a whole lot. Then I'll retweet and engage on things, but um, I'll, I'll, I'm more a consumer on Twitter. LinkedIn, especially over the last 12 months, I've, I've really noticed uh, an uplift in you know, reach and engagement and exposure. And I'm personally jumping more and more into LinkedIn, both from mm -hmm. a personal perspective and the business. So, you know, putting out posts on my own profile and then I guess linking it or indirectly linking it back to the, to the business. Um, you know, I find my reach is a lot more powerful. or I get a lot more reach out of my personal profile than the business at the moment. Um, yep. Whilst we continue to, build that page I'll, I'll keep doing it and you know i like offering insights and and providing my thoughts from time to time you know i, I sort of told myself I, i'd post at least once every fortnight on there like a, a thought you know or an article of, of some sort some sort so that's it that's a goal for me this year and again you know posting articles from sport design australia too based on you know today we launched our first creative in focus with Gabby, as I mentioned, and, mm -hmm. you know, providing articles around, you know, our next one coming up is, you know, social media is meant to be fun. Let's, let's embrace that. Um, that'll be coming up next week. So yeah, back to your question, I guess my main, my main channels that I use at the moment are, are Twitter and LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Yeah. I'm on quite a bit on the, on the sport design Australia, um, yep. side of things, but from a personal level, I don't post anywhere near as much as I used to. I don't, upload barely any stories anymore i used to be a fiend for instagram stories and, and snapchat you know I was, <laughs> yeah 
my nickname would get with my mates was phone boy. I was always on my phone recording or, or filming something. Um, so I've really done a 180 on, on that. So, and I don't use Snapchat anymore. So, and Facebook, I hop on every now and then I've, I've deleted the app from my phone. I'll, I'll find myself on desktop every now and then just checking in more so with family and friends and more yeah. so messenger. But yep. Yeah. Um, okay. And so we'll, we'll slowly get to wrapping it up. Um, what is your perspective on the future? So with, with sports design, with sports creative, we've just been talking socials. Um, I suppose the big, the big one that we kind of joke about a little bit on here is the NFTs and, and metaverse and AR and VR. Yeah. Do you have any perspective on, on that? Do you think that that's something that is going to, you know, really take us by surprise and, and start to take off? Or is it just a bit of a, another, you know, a Snapchat, a bit of a fad that's going to phase away? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think NFTs are, are here to stay. Um, same with crypto. Um, you know, obviously it's a bit of a bear market at the moment and, you know, there's probably been a lot of people probably lost money on NFTs and, and crypto, um, you know, including myself. Uh, yep. to... <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not alone, that's for sure. But, um, I think it really just depends on the project There's, yeah, I think 90% of projects will be either a rug or, or fail or just be a disaster. And then I think there'll be you know, five or ten percent that that will um, evolve and and really become a, a force in the market. And I think naturally it, it'll be uh, something sports teams get more involved in. You, you know, you see Australian Australian Open have been mm. quite involved with it with the their metaverse, the metaballs. Um, I think it's metaballs. Yes. Metaballs. Um, yeah. But and they've got someone who's specifically, you know, Web three or you know, Web metaverse focused down there. You know, employed like, full time, yeah. Yeah, and so that's, you know, they're getting great results from that, and they've invested in it. And you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, what the profit is or revenue or return is at the moment, but I think you know, long term, that they're definitely going to be well ahead of you know a lot of other businesses. Um, I think they're finding their feet. Like we, I, I don't know um, if you've listened to too many episodes, but we've joked about it a couple of times, and I've said to the guys that look, this is not the iteration that we're going to land on. This is a new market, a new wave. It's trying to find its feet. Like with everything else, there's going to be some things that just fail in a, in a, um, in a blaze of glory. Um, but, yeah. you know, once the dust settles a little bit, we might, you know, NFTs might fall, but it'll be the next thing or crypto might fail, but it'll be the next thing. You know, it's, yeah. it's the evolution of it. Um, you know, I was actually really fascinated with those, uh, those tennis balls. I think it was, if you you own an nft and um it's a grid within the tennis court right so mm -hmm. if your ball um a winning shot lands in there you i, I can't it adds the value of something i don't know i'll, I'll include it in the um in, in the links to the to the episode yeah. um but I, I i don't know i found it really fascinating and um same with all of the the 3d artists that i've kind of touched base with and, and reached out to is you know you're hearing a lot more of nike um, with their Web3 development and creating garments specifically for the metaverse. I think it's definitely coming. Virtual seats, that are, the Brisbane Olympics this um, recently posted something to say, you know, you could potentially purchase a, a seat or a, a drone even um, mm. to a virtual space. So you just wear your goggles and you're, you know, you're on the sideline of the 100-meter sprint or wherever in the 100-meter sprint doesn't even need to be in the sideline. And and my my brain starts to go, what what does the HUD look like? You know, if we were talking in gaming terms, what does a, an on-screen graphic look like when you're, when you're wearing your VR headset at the Olympics and, you know, then you think all the, the dirty stuff about advertising and everything else? It's, it's yeah, it, it's wild. And, you know, to your point about Nike, you know, that a lot of the big brands are, starting to invest in and hiring people in, in the web three and metaverse space and crypto and NFT. So it's not going to go away. As you said, it's, you know, there's a lot more to come and where it's at now is certainly not where it's going to end up. That's for sure. Um, mm. yeah, even sporting teams with you know, memberships and, and ticketing, it'll all become you know, some form of NFT or, or digital component. Um, yeah. So that's probably where I see that sort of things. And I guess AI is probably the the big one within 
you know, a lot of designers are blowing up about it, especially illustrators and yep. which I can understand. Um, I guess, you know, for those that don't know what AI is, it's, I guess, you know, the ability of machines to perform tasks that humans normally would. So, you know, a lot of people are scared that their roles or their positions will become redundant because a robot's going to, going to take over and do it all for them for a lot less money and a lot less time. Mm, yeah. I, I mean, for me, I, I view it more as a, a tool to help me, you know, if, if I've got an example in my head for a, an illustration that I want mocked up, you know, I'll, I've had a play around with a few programs where I'll, you know, type in a few prompts and it'll pump out a really ugly looking graphic, but it'll give my designer a pretty good idea of what I'm after. Mm-hmm. As opposed to me, you know, sitting on a notepad and trying to design things or put a few things together in Photoshop, I'll sort of use it that way. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but I can understand why people are worried about yeah. their, their It's sort job. of something I've thought about, like, obviously AI is coming, but more thinking about it more rather than it's going to take my job, like, why don't I become the one who is the best at using the AI? Yeah, that or yeah. how can and it just evolve you? yourself, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, how AI can actually help you in your role or not. You know, take over your role. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a powerful tool and it can certainly help people. I just think they need to understand what it is and what that what it can do for them and be okay with it because I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I think we might actually just about call it there, Reese. Um, don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a you're a busy right. man with a a bu- thriving business to maintain. So. Um, before we, we did finish up today, I just wanted to get, I suppose, a little bit of advice from you for those who are starting out or or want to get into the industry. Um, have you got any insight that you can, you know, leave with them? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of advice I could give, um, posting, posting your work's definitely one, um, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, even if it's a passion project, just yeah, get on the tools, put the reps in, and, and post your content, whether that's on Instagram or a, a pants, you know, portfolio, um, whatever it is. I think you need to be your biggest advocate, um, and and let your work be seen by you know a wider audience because you don't know how many doors it may open for freelance work, collaborations, full time work. Um, so yeah, don't expect work if you're not willing to put in the work, um, mm-hmm. and, and build a personal brand. Uh, f- another one I feel really important for designers and, you know, uh, creative is so subjective, you know, not everyone's going to love your work. Um, some will hate it. Some will love it. Take any feedback or critiques, like don't take it personally. Um, you know, a good example of that, we we ran a FIFA design challenge, you know, f- uh, late last year um, where we, we put a challenge out to our design community to create new templates for uh, a country of their choice. And mm-hmm. we had 10, 10 voters um, or 10 judges, I guess, at the end. You know, there's about four or five graphic designers. There are a few, um, you know, people that had worked in content like myself and, and Cass. Um, yeah, you know, a bit of a variety of of people and no one agreed on what the best and what the worst was, you know, as <laughs> their favorite, you know, one of mine that I love, I think I had a second, my second favorite was like down the bottom for a lot of the other guys and vice versa. So yeah, don't get too down about if someone doesn't like your work, you know, stick at your niche or your style and just keep evolving. And, you know, there's, there's bound to be someone that will like it. Something crazy about it's like not <laughs> yeah. many people's nine to five gets broadcast online for people to critique. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I guess that's the thing with a lot of young designers, they like to judge and compare what other people are doing and where other people are at with their, their careers and their journeys. And, you know, not everyone's going to learn their dream job straight out of uni. Some might, some might take 10 years. So I think building each other up is another big one. You know, don't burn bridges. Um I've learned that this sporting industry is so small and, and so unconnected. You know, you never know who you'll work with, you know, in, in 10 years' time. Um, you know, when I was at the Sharks, I was the media manager, the the membership manager or the, um, yeah, the membership manager is now 
10 years later, the product manager at the NRL, you know, completely different spaces. So it's amazing where people end up. So I'd say always be nice. You know, yeah, negative word, word of mouth can spread pretty quickly in, in this area. And it, it can make finding jobs really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you've already mentioned a fair few names today, but uh, obviously, you know, we've got similar goals in in that we want to re- build a really strong community of, of well, local creatives and I suppose creatives around the world, really. Um, who, who should we be following? Who, who should our listeners be following? Um, where should we find them? What's their work? Oh, great, great start. Uh, great question. Um, oh, there's so many. I'll start with a couple of illustrators. Damien Quinn's one of our, our lead guys. He's a gun. Um, Lee Olsen, as I mentioned before, Shift Refresh. Um, you know, he's sort of started at the NRL and has really, really grown over the last eight, nine years. Um, some of the younger crew, Justin Chia, aka Just Designs, who's now at Richmond. He, he's pumping out some really cool work. Um, Jaden Spiteri, you know, does a lot of work with us, who's JS Graphics. Um, he's got a really cool style. He's re- he's really good with textures and and hierarchy and and all that sort of thing. Um, I mean, I I could honestly go on. Another guy, actually, I do want to shout out, Frank uh, Labarina. Um, haven't done too much with him yet, but he's someone that really just gets around everyone in the community. He's he's always posting work. He's he works his ass off, trying new styles, new concepts. So I just wanted to give him a shout out as, as well. Good job. Awesome. All right, Reese. Well, thank you so much, mate, for giving us some of your time. We really appreciate it. Um, I, I love what you're doing. I've I've uh, been following from afar from those COVID first wave lockdowns when that Instagram page first popped up, um, and just you know seeing seeing that logo come around a whole lot more on my feeds and and actually being exposed to many more of those artists as well, whether it be liking or commenting on other artists work um i think it's great um definitely resonate with you as far as be nice be friendly we can critique but um you know it's it can always be done in the right way so thank you so much much mate love what you're doing nick did you have anything else to say nah no same sentiments thanks for coming on and and good to meet you and yeah been seeing that um that sort of logo pop up the same and and wondering what it is and how to get involved and and stuff like that. So, no worries. Thanks. Super cool thanks, that it's all growing. Thanks guys for having me. I really really appreciate it. and 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 ditto. Love what what you guys are doing. So, um, you know, I'll be yes, sure man. to keep an eye on all the 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 upcoming episodes as well. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that.